the there is this wonderful book called the obstacle is the way you don't necessarily want to look at it as like a failure and tear yourself down you just want to look at it as an opportunity to grow or learn and mm. you know, when you hit these like roadblocks um it's or obstacles you don't just like just give up and you don't like make it uh, affect your behavior you aren't a failure your dog is not a failure um, you, you're just getting another opportunity to learn how to be better and how to, how to grow. Um, and because from that, um, obstacle or tri uh, tribulation or trial, you're going to become out of it stronger. And this is the Samurai Marketer, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to start, build and scale their business. You'll be able to follow my journey of building my first six-figure business by only using the best online marketing techniques. I'll tell you about my success, but also my mistakes, so you can avoid the bad and take only the shortcuts. I am your host, and my name is Tex, so welcome! Hey, what's up everybody, Tex here, and today I hope you're fine, you're so excited as I am, always, okay? So, welcome to the Samurai Market Show. Today, I have a special guest, his name is Trevor, and I have <laughs> met him on the One Final Way Challenge, and uh, he's the owner of uh, the Doggy Dojo. He trained dogs, so be careful. And he accepted kindly to be part of this interview and share his journey. And his journey is very fascinating and very interesting. So be ready. Okay, let's start it. Good. Hey, Trey. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to be on here, man. Um, you are awesome, and you actually helped me so much um, setting up my my new funnel, my new sales strategy with those awesome um, uh, different deliverables that you gave me to help out with. So I appreciate you so much, and I'm so glad to be here today. <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm really excited. You know, you see, so uh, we we have some bound uh, during the One Funnel Away Challenge and um, because it's an amazing challenge and we, we, we've learned so much. Uh, as you said, this is the best uh, 100 uh, bucks <laughs> that we oh, can so invest much. in online. <laughs> I mean, I would, uh, I know they, they, they say that some people take it multiple times and I don't, uh, I totally get it because there's so much value inside of this. It's, it's unreal and it's so great. Um, and, and I think like sometimes when you look at the funnels, you just like, go, oh my gosh, what, how to start, where to begin, especially because I went through, I've read all three of Russell Brunson's books and it's, you know, how, trying to figure out a roadmap of how to put all that stuff together. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what One Funnel Way does for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, the, 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 the goal of uh, this, this podcast, you see, uh, the summer market, uh, marketer is really all about sharing stories of, of different journeys of uh, entrepreneurs. Because 
we, we listen a lot of stories and sometimes it's very successful stories and you didn't uh, really um, think about the, the, the struggles all entrepreneurs have because it's easier to, to talk about the success or I was broke and now I am rich. And right. uh, all the struggles, the conflicts during the journeys, uh, it's very hard because sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, you, 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 want, you just want to give up because uh, sometimes your funnel doesn't work. Sometimes uh, you have some struggle with uh, the bank or sometimes you, you can't generate any, any, any leads. You have a lot of troubles, but this is, this is the game. It, this is part of the game. All that setbacks are, uh, are part of the game. So uh, it's important if you can share about all these different things uh, to, to the audience because the audience is all entrepreneurs. And I think it, it, was, um, it could be great. So for, for the start, um, could you present yourself and what you're doing, uh, Trevor? Yeah, uh, totally. I am a dog trainer. I've um, been training dogs since I was six years old. I'm 32 now, and it's been a great journey for me. And I love helping people discover the path to life with their dogs and just get to, through any roadblocks or troubles that they're having with their dogs. Because those things like barking behavior or pulling on the leash or not coming when called, are basically like frustration points for people where they get so frustrated with their dog and their relationship that if I can help them get past that, that's going to help them be more successful and have a happier life with their dog. So that's what's so exciting to me. And I've been doing this in, for people like one-to-one -one in person for a long time. And my mm -hmm. goal was to help other people that maybe not have those resources or access to those resources because not everybody is lucky enough to live close to a great dog trainer and I've had people come and reach out to me online and asking me for um, material that are courses and I was like well I don't have an online course so I was like okay it's time Trevor to launch an online course and so um, I did a I did a, a, a challenge for myself where I filmed myself for 100 days and training dogs and my dogs and other people's dogs and then I put that together to an online course and so that's where I got started with this whole journey. Yeah it's so great because actually you want to impact uh, many lives as possible with this with, with, with your passion actually so it's cool. Um, you said you are uh, you were training dogs since you have six right? Yeah. What is your, yep. your, your backstory about uh, six because you, are, you were so young? <laughs> right, more right. About that. So um, I uh, started training dogs at six years old with my mom, Diana Smith, um, who is a fantastic dog trainer as well. And um, I still, you know, we still kind of work together um, a lot. And I have to caution everybody that's listening to this wonderful podcast right now. Um, my parrot in the background <laughs> is talking a lot. <laughs> and so I don't just love dogs. I love other animals too. So it's like wondering what's happening. It's not, that's not my mom in the background yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's my parrot. So I just have to caution everybody for that real quickly. But, um, yeah, so I started, I had, I've always had just this whole 
um, notion of helping in learning about dog training. Um, and I just started helping my mom in classes at the age of six and started teaching my own at the age of 16. And then I started to launch my own online stuff through YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram uh, about three years ago. And that's kind of where this journey has kind of come together um, to um, helping people more just as much as possible by giving them some really structured courses. Okay. And what was the moment? Because as every uh, entrepreneurs, there are a, a dark moment that you, 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 you are in front of the wall and that, that thing that created the, this epiphany. So what was that for you? Yeah, so actually, the, yeah, the, the huge epiphany for me was when you start training dogs, we get so stuck on using treats and reinforcers. And I got dogs who do some amazing things of using treats and food. And the reason dogs love food and treats over any other types of reinforcement is it's something they need to survive. They don't need toys. They don't need verbal praise. They don't need any of that other um, type of reinforcement to survive. So uh, food is such a powerful reinforcer. But um, the, the downfall of food is when a dog's not hungry, when a dog doesn't want to take the particular treat out of the hand that you have, then what happens is, is then the dog, if it wants something else more than what you have, then it wants to go run away. So what happened was I was on a, um, a walk with my dog and my dog had saw deer come across our path and it pulled so hard on the leash, it snapped the leash and ran off and didn't come back when called right away. And I knew something had to change. And so, and I had food, I had my dog's favorite treat, but uh, deer, of course, was much more exciting. And that's, you know, probably true for most people, whether the dog likes food or treats or toys, but I had to figure out, you know, what reinforced, what did my dog have to find that was so much more reinforcing than me? And that was the fact that I was just a, basically a food vending machine that I was just a Pez machine. And, and in that moment, my dog didn't need food. It needed to go and chase something. So things like playing with your dog with a toy, it their chase and play behavior and their prey drive. So I had to figure out how to get my dog more interested in toys, pets, and verbal praise. And so um, I was stuck. I did not want to know what to do. I thought, you know, as a, I'm, I've been training dogs since I was six years old. And this happened when I think I like at the age of like 12. And I thought to myself, do I really want to be a dog trainer? you know, if I can't get my own dog to listen to me. And I ran into this great seminar with Ken Ramirez and he started talking about how to get dogs more motivated about all these types of different reinforcers. I took that information and applied it to my own dogs, my students' dogs, and that's where my evolution came up. Because one of the most interesting parts of my life probably that most people, you know, um, maybe do or do not know is I do competitions with my dog where they go over obstacle courses and it's called dog agility. And inside the ring of a dog agility, you can't bring food, toys or anything. So the dog has to do these things for you or want to do these things for you without the presence of rewards. And that was a whole nother journey of mine to be able to get my dog to listen to me, whether or not I had a food on me or treats on me or a toy on me that the dog had to listen to me. And so um, with the training from that seminar and uh, I was able to accomplish getting my dog to do some amazing feats in dog agility and, ma and make it to the finals and agility championships um, at AKC. Um, um, you know, going from dog not being able to do listen to me, not come and call because they want to chase after deer to a dog that runs around um, uh, a field with uh, uh, with all these obstacles and all these um, different types of 
things they had to go through totally off leash and not run out of the ring. That would think that's my, how my journey kind of got a complete circle. It's amazing. That's why I, I have seen a lot of medals, um, <laughs> different pictures uh, of yours and, uh, and your, your, your dogs. Uh, so competitors right. you are with your dogs and I was amazed by all those medals. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I mean, it, it really, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, how much money do you get out of dog agility? And I was like, I don't get any money. It's not really a sport that you make money and they actually have designed the sport more pure that way where there's no big prize money and things like that. And you're like, well, why do you do it? Well, you just do it uh, for the challenge and the fun with your dog. And so it really kind of makes you think about, and it also makes, you know, not, you know, if you lose, you're not losing. You know, it's, it's one thing if you lose like a thousand dollars versus if you, your dog messes up or you mess up and, and then you lose a cue or qualification, you know? So, um, so I, you know, it's enjoyable in that sense, but you really have to dig down deep inside and get your competitive um, spirit on and, you know, and deal with failure because with, when you're at the highest level of agility competition, uh, your dog makes you or your dog make one mistake and they, and they fault one time you, you, that's it, you're done. Um, and so then you, you can, you know, you'll finish your run, but then you won't be able to move on to the next step or stage or level um, because your dog messed up. So, uh, or your run was, when was um, in queue. And I hate saying my dog messed up because that's, that is the keys. Typically, my belief is, is that you are the, the person that, sh that is responsible for your dog being successful. And that's a lot of pressure. And that's really important for people to understand that when your dog makes a mistake, um, it, it kind of goes back to ourselves with us entrepreneurs or as uh, leaders, you know, that the, the, there is this wonderful book called The Obstacle is the Way. You don't necessarily want to look at it as like a failure and tear yourself down. You just want to look at it as an opportunity to grow or learn. And mm. you know, when you hit these like roadblocks um, it's, or obstacles, you don't just like just give up. And you don't like make it uh, affect your behavior. You aren't a failure. Your dog is not a failure. Um, you you're just getting another opportunity to learn how to be better and how to how to grow. Um, and because from that um, obstacle or tri uh, tribulation or trial, you're going to become out of it stronger. And the harder the strong the the obstacle, the the more tiring the obstacle. Typically, on the other end, the stronger you'll become, because. Some people think sometimes they, that they're the only one getting picked on in this world, right? Like, they're like, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? It's like, well, it's happening to everybody. It's not just happening to you. Yeah. Like, it's like, and so one of the coolest things, which your text, you know, I'm sure you, this is a journey for you, is that when you go through these trials and these difficulties, whether it be personal family trials or business trials, you then have the strength to not only go take the next step for you and your own self, but to help others as well. And I think that's where your journey is. It seems yeah. like, you know, your techs are awesome because you're not just thinking about, okay, I, it's all about me and, and me being successful. I, I, you probably launched this podcast to help others and help them to be successful and grow and to learn from your journey and your, <laughs> your mistakes and your trials. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is exactly uh, for, for that. And, what, what you said is very inspiring and uh, relates with my, my own journey and as a competitor as I am too. Uh, you know, I'm, as I said to you, because you, you, the name of your, uh, your, your, <laughs> your, your brand, 
yeah, yeah. is using dojo and it's a japanese name uh, means uh, school and it's very yeah. interesting because when I, I i told you that i practice and teach uh, two Japanese martial arts. Um, this is exactly the mindset I, I, I want to give to my students. Um, we are not compete to have medals. We don't, this is not the goal. Uh, right. What I said is I have three goals when I, I do competition in Yaido or Jodo. The first one is to put myself in a stress environment because I want to deal with stress. I, I want to overcome the stress during the competition because I can use this kind of techniques in my life, in my professional life. I can use that everywhere. The third thing, uh, the second thing is about uh, improve myself, improve my skills, as you said, you can learn, this is the opportunity to learn more, to grow. So this is very important. And when I can see others, uh, because when I do competition, national competition, you have the best in your nation uh, in the same place. So I can learn by seeing them, by watching their movements, their techniques, their interpretations. So it's very important. And the third thing is about uh, sharing the same passion with other the same tribe because they're not a, a, a kind of um, um, business like you can see on uh, US uh, football or soccer of where you have too much business in it and the spirit is completely different and I think in your training dog competition and in my Yaido competition it's quite the same. It's a, mm -hmm. a, a good spirit with the other competitors. Uh, yes. So we are all passionate and we share a lot. And when we saw something, we can share and, and tell, oh, maybe you should do that. Oh, I, I have learned something. I can share with you my techniques, etc., etc. It's not a, a competition, a strong competition. So right. this is the, the, the third thing I, 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 I tell my, my students and when I have someone who wants to come in my dojo and talk, I want some medals. I want to, 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 to be the, the, the first back away, uh, try another school. It's not for you, for you because what I will teach, it's not that kind of spirit. So this is exactly when we, you, 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 you define your dream customer because you don't want to teach to anyone so you have to, to 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 define your dream customer because you want to serve them you want to help them growing but you can give your power and your 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 skills to anyone right i think that's awesome i that i learned so much just from that <laughs> like that that's like my favorite part about this whole interview right now i mean it's exactly what it is. I mean, there is, there are people, and of course, probably in, in your area too, um, that are there in it for the win and they want to crush everybody else, you know, and uh, it's a very lonely road. 
you know, when you, when in, you know, it, it's not necessarily that, that people won't always be successful by taking that path that, of lonely roads, but, you know, by doing it this way, where you're actually um, working together and you're, and you're sharing each other's difficulties and you're sharing each other's victories and you're, and you're moving in, um, you're going to not only, I think sometimes grow faster that way, but I think it's, you're going to have um, a fallback, like would be able to help people to help support you because even if you, because um, I know like risk is huge. And when it comes to these things, like sometimes you have to act and, and when you act on your own, you act alone and it doesn't go right. Then you, you know, you don't have any support team or anybody there with you, but that's what's so cool about your community. And, uh, and what you're doing too, is you're building a, a great community of people to, to learn and grow together. Yes, yes, exactly. So this is really important. And when you had your, your epiphany, so what was your plan? Because you wanted to create right. a course, but what was your plan exactly? My gosh, I think maybe that's the only downfall of being so young and learning how to be a dog trainer <laughs> and all this stuff, information, is because like, you know, as like a, you know, at that point, like a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, like, I was just like, I just want to train somebody's dog. Like, you know, <laughs> you know there wasn't, you know, there wasn't too much, you know, I, as I've gotten older and as I've started to learn, you know, I do think, you know, I think sometimes at a younger age, you know, we always want to go back to that point where we romanticize everything. We think everything's going to be great. We don't really, the world doesn't actually say like, I don't think for particularly here in America, we always are set up for like um, failures or trials. Like, you know, that you, it, it's either, either you either you either get an a or 100 percent on the test or, or or not you know something like that it's but it's just interesting for my sake i actually started to develop more of a plan when i started my own youtube channel and content making um i what happened how that evolved was because um i had my students they would get come to class for one hour and then they'd go home for a week and there's nothing for them to do that whole week. I mean, you tell them stuff to do in the one hour and tell them, Hey, you need to, uh, you need to do this behavior, this game, this training throughout the whole week. But there was, if they couldn't remember necessarily everything they've learned because through the, throughout the class, they weren't necessarily absorbing that stuff. I had to give them something that they could look at and reference back at home. So that's how my YouTube channel launched. That's how mm -hmm. I started my own YouTube channel. It's just like, okay, I needed to develop some resources for my students to do at home. Um, and so they got to be able to do that. And that, that just kind of grew from there and then making more and more connections. And then um, finding my voice, I think, really actually came along with live streaming. Like when I started doing some live streaming and just, you know, accepting any mistakes or any uhs or ums that I made on mm. camera, um, <laughs> I, that was really good. I think the other cool thing about live streaming and making content and is that you actually are talking to people and they're responding back. I think it's mm. daunting to speak to a camera for five, 10 minutes. And when you're just recording it, there's no, nobody else on the other end. It doesn't feel normal. It feels weird to talk to a, a camera lens. It's not like a person. Yeah. <laughs> so but live streaming kind of bridges that gap, in my opinion, that you actually, when you go live, you actually, as you say something, people will laugh in the comment section, like, oh, that was so funny, or, oh, that was so insightful. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes you kind of feel like you're actually in a conversation. I think yes. people loosen up a lot more and are more authentic 
when they do a live streaming situation. Like, you know, as we're recording this podcast here too, we're, you all might not know we're doing this on Zoom and it's, you know, you know, it's more authentic to be able to see text right now just right in front of my face and talk to him versus just talking <laughs> to him over a phone. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I think I will shift and um, and add some live streaming um, in a couple yeah. of weeks, I think, because I wanted to find my voice first uh, with the right. podcast because yeah. it was more challenging to to right. to do the, the live streaming, but I wanted to. I wanted to yes. improve my, my, my English, my speaking English too. Uh, and I thought the live streaming is the, the best thing because you can use the, the audio to make the podcast. Uh, with the live streaming, you can use it to to generate some some videos on your YouTube channel. You can use the transcript to to blogs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can use the same material to different um, channels. So uh, when you want to make efficient efficiency your your, your your time and your material i think it's uh, a great uh, opportunity it so really is a, yeah it is yeah you know, the only difficulty which is kind of getting cured uh, more so right now is a technical side you know live streaming is not necessarily new but it's not hasn't been around for a long time um and so the software that runs live streaming doesn't always work and so speaking about trials and things like that you just kind of have to roll with the punches sometimes with live streaming like sometimes you'll press go live and nothing will happen and you're just like wait i was supposed to go live right now <laughs> and uh you know it just it's just like the technology's definitely gotten so much better i think you know especially with the current health crisis i think being able to talk to people like we are right now mm. live and have good bandwidth and, and stuff like that i think is getting better i think there's a lot more a lot more information out there a lot more software being developed so i think that's really the only difficulty and i encourage everybody you know of course if you accidentally say something that's off brand when you're doing these live streams or doing these um, when you're making videos when you are are uh, doing stuff it's so tempting to make it so perfect all the time mm -hmm. and two things happen one detriment of making your content your your website your whatever so perfect that you never get out of the building phase and you never just launch you never just do and i think that's one thing i, I admire about you tex is you definitely were one of the first people that i noticed on the ofa challenge that said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna just like get bogged down in the per perfect my perfect response i'm just gonna go and just do it and see what happens because there's so much that needs to be learned. It's like when you ride a bike, it's just like, you, if you studied how to ride a bike for three weeks, uh, the, the mechanics, the physics, and um, how to put your foot in the pedal and how to put your hand up on those, that no matter if you studied it for three weeks or for three days or for three hours or for three minutes, it doesn't matter. You're gonna fall. Like you're gonna, first time you get on a bike, more than likely you're gonna fall over and it's gonna look clumsy and you're gonna like look stupid. But eventually, as you fall over and as you pick yourself back up again, and as you start to get more and more smooth of how to mechanic, how to use that bike, you're going to be able to do it and you're going to fly and you're eventually may even start finding yourself 
entering into races and being part of competitions, you know, because you love it so much. So I encourage everybody that's listening to this right now, like don't, don't let fear stop you from being successful. Like just do and just get out there because otherwise you'll just be constant building phase. And I had to do that with my new launch or funnel. Like there's so many things I wanted to do with my website or webpage or my videos. I was like, I know if I do this, I'll get better. But you maybe you don't, you don't necessarily know. Like that little change or tweak may not make any difference at all other than it costs you another week, two weeks or a month to get launched. And that, that in itself is bad because that could have been, you know, your, uh, you know, hundreds to thousands of dollars that you could have been making in, in uh, for your business already. So just get out there and get launched and have some fun with it. And if you're afraid, like launching something that's paid, like definitely think about doing YouTube or podcasting like Texas here and things like that. So what do you think about this first part? Cool, right? So tomorrow I will uh, publish the, the following and the second part of Trevor's interview. So be ready for tomorrow. And if you want also be part of this amazing challenge. One Funnel Away Challenge could really change your life um, because if you want to get out of your uh, 9-to-5 job, um, get out of your rat race actually and start or scale, grow your business, this is an amazing opportunity. This is the best $100 you can invest Uh, in all programs you can find in internet right now. So if you're interested, really commit to to grow your business and to take it to the next level, click on the link below. I will put the, my affiliate link in the description. So have a nice day and see you tomorrow. Thanks to listening the Samurai Marketer. Catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye.